Today's episode of Basketball Buds is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to Robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not an investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield APY on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. Welcome to the Back to Back Podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. Lock it in! There's like someone drilling next door to me right now. Can you hear yeah. it? Congratulate them on the second. This is the Basketball Buzz. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Logic and reason. With Zach Harper. Oh man, if you put Gordy in Atlanta, we can just walk goodbye from Los Angeles. <laughs> Big Wash. Kristen's beautiful words about pop are the best advertisement for the CIA I've ever heard in my entire life. I've seen the machine in the basement of Madison Square Garden turning out $100 bills. <laughs> yeah, this isn't for weed. This is a you know, lifetime achievement award. <laughs> right now, that is I've been wanting to say that for a long time. South will rise again. I'll tell oh you boy. that much. Oh <laughs> I'm just going to tell you what I think. I, I don't think it's inconsistent. I want to apologize for all the physical and mental abuse the whole time we were here. You've been popped, right? Y- yes. <laughs> he may have big bones, but he doesn't have big meniscus. What? Why would I wear pants or shorts or anything? Everyone does well when you have good results. Produced by Jade Hoy. Jade. Everyone does well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. A lot of women have pictures in the dating apps with Jeff Goldblum. It's enough of a thing that Jeff Goldblum has commented on. Right, if they get caught, he gets thrown in jail. Mecca of basketball. Are you making calls for Fred Cat? Because Cat has been killing it. I don't know if he's that good. <laughs> Everybody knows if you go back in time, don't do anything. The ramifications can be quite severe. A journey which along the way will bring to you new colors, new dimensions, new Welcome to the Basketball Buds edition of the Back-to-Back Podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Zach Harper, joined by, who do we have here? Dave Dufour. We got Fred Katz. We got Wazzy Lambray. We're going to have Sam Amick. We got a, a lot of trade possibilities, guys. And so I want to start off today by throwing a tantrum. I don't want to be here anymore, Dave. Someone trade <laughs> well, tantrum. me. Tantrum. A tantrum is not a good way to uh, to to make yourself a, a better trade asset. Why so, not? I've just, seen it work in the past. I've seen it work yeah. in the past, and I'll see it work again. That's what Kevin loves doing. Do you have a twenty-seven million dollar contract? Is it right? You know, uh-huh. in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. You know, run, give or take. Are you on the downside of your career? Oh, I'm definitely on the downside of my yeah, career. I think sure. that cannot be argued. More importantly, uh, Zach, are you owed a hundred million dollars for the next three years after this year? That's right. <laughs> you know, some would say I am. <laughs> Maybe you're worth that, Zach, but you're not He's owed that. He's got a that. good agent. <laughs> <laughs> got a very good agent. Man, this is kind of this is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I mean, I think if you watch what's been coming out from from Kevin Love since, I, he probably I think he probably regrets it. Pretty clear, he was frustrated in the moment um i don't necessarily i don't completely blame him but he's also not right so you know everyone's just kind of wrong in the situation and it's it's an awful look if you want to get traded we don't know that i agree really because this is the thing and so i talked a little bit about this with with uh with amin el hassan on on nba radio of when guys are nice about it Sometimes front offices think, eh, you know, he's a nice guy. We don't have to do this right away. We can we can kind of ride it out a little bit and uh, and wait and get our you know get our best value and everything. And look, this is an extreme example, and they're not the same player by any means, Dave. But I look at what Jimmy Butler did last year, in that he goes to Tom Thibodeau a couple times during the summer, says, "Hey, I'd like you to trade me. You know, I'd like you, I'd like you to trade me." And then 
doesn't get what he wants because Tom Thibodeau's like, ah, we'll get him to camp. He'll be fine. They'll, they'll all bond. He'll be good. We'll start winning basketball games. We'll be fine. And eventually, Jimmy Butler starts making it public and starts, you know, rattling the cage a little bit. And then he does the whole practice thing, he, you know, kicks the butts with the, with the third stringers and goes on ESPN, who was curiously there that day for, for some reason uh, at a Minnesota practice where, you know, when he just happened to come back and do this whole spiel, right? And so it wasn't until Jimmy Butler like made it a scene that he kind of started getting what he wanted and taken seriously with this stuff. I do wonder if, look, this may not get Kevin Love where he wants to be, but it may get him out of where he doesn't want to be. And so, like I'm with you. Like I do, I do think there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, sense to what you said, but at the same time, maybe you do just have to be the annoying guy to get shipped out of town. I would like to point out a difference, Zach, between Jimmy Butler and Kevin Love, which is that Kevin Love extended with the Cavs. Like Jimmy Butler was traded to Minnesota. Kevin Love willingly extended with the Cavs, presumably, unless he was completely delusional at the time, knowing that this was going to be the deal. Well, 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 I I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that either. I don't agree with that either. So Jimmy Butler was trying to re-sign with the Wolves for as much money as possible, right? He wanted to be paid. Um, he wanted to be paid by the Wolves, and there was some discrepancy with that. And then on top of that, Kevin Love was promised a competitive team. Like, like maybe not a championship team, but a, a way better team than this. Like, hey, don't worry. We got JR. We got, uh, you know, we got Tristan Thompson. We got all these guys, right? Like, we, ha- we have, uh, you know, a mix of veterans and young guys that we bring up. And then all of a sudden, they were just horrendous last year and not competitive in any way. And so I think they always kind of had the idea that this was going to be a competitive, a more competitive situation than what it is. And on top of that, like Cleveland was was giving him an extension to keep him around for the short term to then move him in the long term. Right. Like isn't like at least for me, that's been the understanding of what this was. Gentlemen, Sam Amick here. How's everybody? Hey, Sam. What's I'm up, gonna jump Sam? in with this. What's up, guys? Zach, I'm going to follow um, on the Kevin front, and, and uh, I pulled up our buddy Jason Lloyd's interview with Kevin recently that I feel like is required reading for this situation. And I quote Kevin when asked about the money aspect of his decision to resign with the Cavs. It's really hard to say no when the money is right there. From a strictly financial standpoint, if it's right there in front of you, shit. The last uh, the last one contract was what one hundred thirteen million over five. Now $120 million over four. How do you say no to that? Point being this, I mean, I hear, I don't, I just don't truly believe that Kevin thought they were going to be all that competitive. It feels like uh, it was, it was more cash and you can't say no to it. And, you know, now it's one of those things where pragmatically as a businessman at the time, uh, it was the right decision for him. And I think his reasoning is fine. I think human wise, he's now realizing how much it sucks to lose all the time, and and he's, it's kind of getting the better of him. The the emotional part that wasn't necessarily taken into account when he made that choice. I mean, more competitive than this, I would assume, though, right? Like he could have banked on that, I, whether he was right why? or not. Like yeah, I think that why? was because that's what they like, sold him. I mean, okay, but yeah. but I mean, I mean, we weren't in that like, room, so I hear you. And and obviously, yeah. he doesn't think very highly of Kobe Altman. I mean, they they've been sideways for a while, and so right. yeah, maybe. I mean, what I can't speak to is for sure. I mean. I have not talked to Kobe about this. Haven't talked to Kevin about it. Like, but m- who knows? Maybe they really did oversell it. Um, but it, it, my instincts have told me this whole time that it's, it's just more of you know you secured the bag and then you underestimated the other component here. Sure, and and that's part of the risk of it, right? But like, I do, I, I don't think it's crazy. Like Louis, we look at it like ah, it's the Cavs. They suck, right? They always suck and everything, right? Like we, that's how we look at it. But when you're in the situation, I don't think it's crazy for him to look at that team going into last season and saying, yeah, maybe we can win 35 games, right? Like it's it might it may not be a great analysis, but to think that you're good enough and Tristan's good enough and this guy's good enough and that guy's good enough to where you guys can be way more competitive than being the worst team in the league every night. Like I think there's some middle ground. I'm just glad there. Jeff Schwartz ain't black, cause they'd be getting killed for this. <laughs> I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> Not even halfway through this contract that they willingly and happily signed at the time 
reneging on the deal, being unprofessional, beaning basketballs at your fucking teammates on TV. <laughs> but it's cool. It's fine. You know, the tactics are warranted. Everything is cool and copacetic all of a sudden. I, I, like, I don't understand why this shit is all right to do, man. Like, well, I really don't get it. Well, I don't know that, and I don't got, know that anyone said it's all right. Well, and the thing he got mad about. He won, he had Chris Paul in the post. By the way, Chris Paul, not an awful post-up defender. <laughs> he's shown his whole career he's fine. And uh, Kevin Love sucks in the post. <laughs> of the 14 players this season that have 100 or more post-ups, he's last in points per possession. Kevin Love. His points per possession in the post is about the same as Colin Sexton Kevin Love, you're so on like, a terrible contract. That's why you can't get moved. You're not living up to the contract you signed, buddy. So you throwing a temper tantrum and as if the Cavs are dying to keep you there. They're not. You're not good enough to be moved right away. Teams are looking at the, the next three years, $100 million owed to a one-sided player, one-way player, offense only. He does dick for you on defense. And <laughs> he's... Acting like a little baby on the court. He's playing and showing teammates up on the court. And he's not that good. It's incredible to me. I'm sorry. This is amazing to me. That's all fair. I mean, honestly, if you take a step back, guys, and look at the macro of how Kevin's handled this thing, you got the on-court stuff that everybody sees. You have, and, and I'm connecting dots, you know, that, that I think I have reason to connect here. You've got... Honestly, I thought the Lloyd interview was super interesting. It was also very calculated. If you go back and read that, that oh, 100%, that was yeah, that was. I mean, his entire premise with Jason was, and I'm paraphrasing, but like, just don't ask me the soft stuff. Like, let's go. And so you decide to tell a reporter, hey, there's, you know, there's a little blood in the water. Let's let's do this. And so that was like step one. Then our own Joe Varden and Shams Sharani report on uh, the locker room stuff. Now, this was not a Kevin Love story, but it's the second time within the calendar year that there's been a ton of noise in that locker room about veterans being unhappy with the direction. Um, you know, it's the whole thing is anonymous. I can safely share this because I have not asked Joe and never would about who they talked to or Shams, but like Kevin's a big voice in that locker room. That story was all about vets being pissed. Then you have the more, you know, kind of out there stuff. You have, Kevin going at Kobe um, with that one, you know, line that certainly made the rounds, which is go ahead and find that's me. A, I got plenty of money. <laughs> like, that's a great line. I mean, to tell that, that to the guy flex. who conceivably I mean, gave shoot. it to you is pretty rich. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's not, he's not there's nothing wrong about what he said. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got a lot of money. It was, it was also, a, I mean, a, my God, if you want to play that game of like what money means to a person, like it was a grand. Like, oh, that'll teach him, right. you know. Yeah. Um, so all those things, this, I mean, it is was kind of. I, I was, I'm going to assume you're the kind of the, cause you and I offline have kind of talked about yeah. this thing within the league. Like you bring up Jeff Schwartz last year. Th this is an interesting debate. Like how do, how does this Kevin Love handling of this compare Bro, to Anthony if Davis with AD Rich Paul? And Rich Paul doing yeah. this, yeah. beaning basketballs yeah. at dudes on the court. I'm sorry. It would be a freaking explosion. I mean, AD wore well, a T-shirt right, so well, that pissed the whole world off. I mean, you know, come like on. yeah, that's all, well, folks. Well, to be, I mean, to be just, fair though, Looney Tunes aren't AD really is relevant. actually a good player. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you understand the trepidation and why people feel emotional about him more than me, but still, well, but was you you mentioned like oh uh, you know him. Requested a trade a year into whatever. I mean, Paul George just kind of did that, right? <laughs> yeah, no, no one, no, see, one, no, one, no one really got it. No one really got upset. Yeah, I mean, but see, even with Paul George again, I think the difference here is one. Everybody understood. I, I, look, I, this is what I love about the Paul George Westbrook stayed, quote unquote, nonsense in OKC. Everybody, the fans, management. Everybody understood that it's okay for Paul to leave because it lets Russ leaves. And he's no longer that good. He's not doing anything for us anymore. Like, we lost in the first round pretty embarrassingly two years in a row with Russ, with Paul George. The team is not – everybody is understood. Like, everybody played the game. And been like, well, Russ came in and we kind of had to let him do his thing and go free. We weren't going to hold him hostage. 
bullshit. <laughs> if KD had signed a deal and was still league MVP worthy and was like, guys, I'm tired of being here, they would have facilitated some trade for him with three years left on his deal? That's nonsense. You know, everybody right. understands that it's in the best interest a, of us all, especially I mean, OKC, that, to get off of Russ's deal. Please. There's a weird – there's an in-between there. Like, do, do I think the Thunder – we're disappointed by the way that unfolded. Like to a degree, yes, they do. I do believe them when they say they were stunned, um, but but that's probably a little strong because the nature of that extension, like there was some understanding with all parties involved that if this thing appeared to have a very limited shelf life, then the, the Thunder do pride themselves on uh, on being a very player friendly culture, and so it was that sense of like, yes, we will do what we got to do to kind of turn over a new leaf to the, you know, turn the page if we need to. And Damian Lillard made that happen. He waved goodbye. It looked like it wasn't working. And then next thing you know, the guys are going their separate ways. But, you know, I think that was a little more of a unique situation. And it was also a smart move for like the, the future of the franchise. Yeah. I mean, they, they got, got so much in that hall. Yeah. They got off that Russell Westbrook contract, worse you than know, Chris as Paul's he's, deal, by you know, way. On his way, on his way down, right? Which is incredible. Isn't it incredible? Speaking of like love, and and the fact that Kevin Love was posting up Chris Paul of all people on that play that went viral, isn't it incredible that coming into this year, so many people thought that Chris Paul was going to be the dude that could potentially be doing this, that Mm -hmm. he didn't want to be in OKC, Mm -hmm. and. You know, maybe I'm just buying into Sam Presti propaganda, but but the the story was that the Thunder went to went to Chris Paul and said, "Hey, if you know if if you want to get traded, we will look to move you. Uh, the best way for you to get traded is to be a total pro and just ball out and make people think you're worth your contract." And but historically, that's not true. Historically, you throw a fit, you get moved. You throw a fit, you get moved if you're worth your contract. Nobody wants a disgruntled, overpaid star. The big difference that we're overlooking between Kevin Love and Anthony Davis is that Anthony Davis is on a bargain deal because he's better than a max player. And Kevin Love is not as good as his his salary would imply. And that's the big difference. Nobody wants a disgruntled star who is also too expensive for his own production. They'll take a disgruntled star who's better than what his pay is. And with Chris Paul, he, he's, he was in that Kevin Love camp, still a really good player, but expensive. And nobody's going to want that disgruntled guy. And Chris Paul's come out. He's had a really, really good year. Things seem to be, I mean, I'm not there, but things seem to be going really well with, with him working with the young guys and all that kind of stuff. And I think my personal belief is that if they were, they, they're at least more likely to find a deal because of the way that he's handling that than if he went the Kevin Love route. Like, I, I don't know if Kevin Love find a, find a deal doing what? He's I don't know. If, oh, not. I don't think he's getting traded this year, but I just mean further down the line. I don't think Kevin Love, he might get traded, but I don't think Kevin Love is necessarily helping himself. I really don't. Well, I, you know, look at some of the talented younger teams that could use like a good vet to to maybe get him over the hump, try to get into the playoffs. Like, would you want to bring this guy in? You know, I mean, like in a in, another him in situation, I just don't that maybe I, won't I be that good. I just don't want the contract. I don't want the contract. Yeah, that's, that's what only, I'm saying. But like, that's the only thing that with I with that, that contract, you've got to be appealing in other ways. Like, you got to be a good. If I'm player, a certain type I, of team, Dave, I, but you also got to be a good. If I'm a certain type of team, bringing in Chris Paul, I I I 100 understand the appeal. If I'm a good team and I'm chasing the championship. Um, I, I, and, and I can afford to eat whatever his deal is and deal with the luxury tax ramifications and all of that. I completely understand what the appeal is. What's the appeal of Kevin Love for me? I mean, like, like seriously, what's the appeal? Um, it's certain kind of teams like, I don't know, like say the Wizards, he would make them a better team, but like, I mean, how much better are we talking about? And is it, is the juice worth the squeeze? Right, like I, I don't know. I, I like the, this is the same dude that was getting played off the floor in finals, right? Like it's it's the same guy three years later on a worse deal. Well, I mean, by by wait, well, hold on, by Kevin Durant, he got played off the floor. Like no, he was getting played off the floor in sixteen too. Richard Jefferson was taking minutes also, from him in sixteen. Zach, that happened. Also, like yeah, yeah, but then we can do the also the small minutia of he got the stop that they needed, right? Like, I mean, what are we doing here? Like got the stop. I mean, okay, okay, yeah. Okay. He, he we can tra- do he one can tra- possession no, no, versus no. him losing minutes to Richard Jefferson three years ago in the NBA Finals. Richard Jefferson at the end of his career. 
This is the dude we're talking about right now. Man, RJ is Slander. It? Don't you know the next Cam chasing him? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thing yeah, is, if, Kevin if anything, Lo- that's even more slander, right? <laughs> the fact that the Knicks wanted him. Uh, like, Kevin no, but like, what five we- that can't protect the rim, and you know, uh, like, I, I just don't know I, I, so, on his contract. Like, what team would want that? No, I just I feel like, oh man, I feel like we are so into the finer details of this and not the broader conversation. In terms of like too much money, Portland. I yeah, mean, like, Portland's like, the only the one that like, anybody. Oh, we don't know what he can do. And I was like, no, it's it's that the contract right. sucks, and yeah. and you're at a financial position in the NBA where no one knows what the cap's going to be. Uh, everyone's saving money for 2021. Like that's the yep. those are the reasons he's not getting well, moved is because he's he's not a, he's not good enough to be a priority right now. Which obviously, but this idea that like oh no, he's getting played off the floor in the finals. No, I mean, what are we doing? Well, this this is where Portland might be like the most ideal situation. I don't know if they're actually interested or not. Um, but they have they, like they don't have money to spend. They're not going to attract any free agents in 2021 anyway, and that's when Dame's extension kicks in. So if if a team was going to trade for him, they've got the pieces to do it. They could send the Whiteside contract straight up. Yeah, they don't. You know, want they could. I mean, maybe they sweeten it with a, a second round pick or something. But if if they're just saying this is done, we got to get Kevin Love out of here. Portland is a natural place that that they could go. He could work okay next to Nurkic. Um, you know, at least they've got some cover there. Then they allows them to bring Zach Collins off the bench. And, you know, it, there there is a path there to Kevin Love working in Portland financially, at least. Yeah, but I don't – I mean, Sam, I don't think that they – I don't think Portland wants him at this point, right? Like, I think Portland's just kind of like, eh, this season. I don't have what a, are we gonna do? I don't have a beat on that with Portland. I, I have assumed that they would like him to a degree because the Damian thing, even though he's locked up for so many years – I feel like there's always this sense in Portland of, I mean, they have a great appreciation for his loyalty because there was a quick minute not that long ago when you started hearing that, that maybe Damian would become that guy who, like when LeBron went to the Lakers, that mm. does he wiggle his way out to join him there? Does you know? And it was people calling his agent, Aaron Goodwin, and trying to you know just kind of create that path out of Portland. And, and he went the other direction. He doubled down and committed to them. I, I He doesn't say goodbye to any season in january so yeah. um i think right. the pressure is still there to, people, to salvage this people because keep calling you, it a gap year sam it's like they keep saying yeah that. but and well if they trade for kevin love it's as much for next season when they have nurk healthy right. and zach collins healthy as as anything so like w- with portland i'm looking ahead like i'm not thinking about this year i'm thinking next year how does kevin love fit with this you know with this team that they already have and and you can see a path to to having success with Kevin Love. Um also, I think it was I think it was um Spears's Dame piece where Dame was basically like, "Look, man, these people gave me 250 million dollars. <laughs> I'm gonna just you know, I'm gonna try to do the right thing by them, man." Right, like he right. came off as so grateful for the extension like, "Look, man, they, these these fools that made me a 500 millionaire for my career basically." Uh, I, I, I'm gonna I'm show. Isn't some, it funny how we always restraint. forget that part? <laughs> you can't like, forget that like, part. I know. <laughs> the, that reminds me of uh, like Kyle Lowry. Like that doesn't get talked about enough. You know, when Kyle was sideways with Masai Ujiri because he traded Demar. Like, mm-hmm. yes, that was real. Yes, Kyle and Demar are best friends. Yes, he was upset. All of those things. But the undercurrent that didn't get talked about enough is like, wait a minute, Masai Ujiri gave you a hundred million dollars when you literally had no other offers on the table, like you had nothing. And, and Kyle doesn't forget that. And, you know, and so again, that's another instance where that stuff comes into play and, and Damien's competitive. Um, and so the pressure is still going to be there, but yeah, man, he's, he's all things considered. He's doing okay up there. Um, what about, uh, other trade news with, uh, or trade discussions with, mm. uh, the real slip shit. Kyle getting wild. Kyle Sam. What's going on? Are they moving this bum? I don't know. Damn, that's harsh, Zach. Come on. Now. I don't know. I just, I'm I mean, just you know, I'm trying to stir the pot a little bit. He's not good. All right. And honestly, if he, if, he, if he wasn't dressing the way he's dressing and Dude, he had Hold on. Don't, don't, don't steal my thunder. Don't he, steal my I thunder. Figured it out. Just, yeah, I figured I mean, it out, y'all. I figured out who Kyle Kuzma was dressed like the other day when he wore those white glasses and the weird leopard print shirt or whatever it was. He was dressed like a character from Hackers. <laughs> Look it up. 
figured it out. All I know is all oh, I know yeah. is that oh, all yeah. I can hear Angelina Jolie. All I can hear in my head is just shady coming at you. Like confession time. Since we we we, we try to pull the curtain, I want to ask you this because I was thinking about this, and I've, I think I've talked to you guys about this too. Um, I feel like uh, whatever influence Bron and them, and and Rich Paul and them exerted over the AD deal and blah blah blah, it feels like they had some influence in being like quote unquote Kuzma's untouchable, right? Then he went and signed with CAA. Now I hear he's right. on the trade block. Am I reading too much in the things? It, like, it, 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 now I heard that was Genie Bus. You heard that was which Genie part with the Kuzma stuff? Which part? I, th- I heard that Genie really liked Kuzma. I mean, Rob's and the Rob's the one. And then there's the contract, right? Like, yeah, Rob's the he made less money. Rob's the head of the Kuz fan club. Uh, everybody you talk to yeah. who doesn't think they'll move him, it's because Rob's in love with him now. Um, we joke about the optics. Um, it, there's a weird subconscious thing. I'm not sure I would have written the story I wrote the other day. It, like, there's something about that damn hair that gets your attention and makes you just kind of look closer at a situation. And I do think well, the hair, the social media stuff with his trainer when he threw some shade at Kawhi Leonard after the Christmas Day game, that stuff's not helping Kuz because you don't want the narrative that you have a child in the room, so to speak, when it's like LeBron's grown-up season. I think that is part of this situation because it's a question of are the Lakers going to be compelled, combination of Kyle not playing well and just the fact that his kind of place in basketball, his lot in basketball life right now is not on track with them, Uh, his basketball IQ, all of those things. LeBron's enjoying having some experience around him this year. All that stuff comes into play. Um, Was the agent thing. The way I would read that, I mean, I can confidently share that LeBron's camp is not, I mean, they're kind of playing this thing down the middle. It's like, mm-hmm. of course, the Lakers are going to take calls. Of course, they because it's the stakes are so great that Rob Palenka should be looking at everything. Um, there's certainly nobody from his side saying, hey, that would offend Kyle if you take these phone calls. Let's not do that. Like, no, that's not happening. But there's not. I can There's. I mean. There's no campaign to my knowledge whatsoever it's to get him Kobe out of town. Is not the Kobe ship him out of here? No, it's not there yet. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's it's. There's patience. There's like still behind him. Um, but it's also like he doesn't have to do the Kobe ship him out of here thing. He knows that with every like I wrote that piece and then uh, Kyle drops. I think four points on you know twenty one minutes in the next game and he's now up to like eleven single digit scoring games out of like twenty six. Um, so you know he's just not playing well. So I don't what you know what's going to happen. I think they're going to have a lot of conversations. Um, the Sacramento thing got some attention yesterday. I mean. My takeaway there was the Lakers clearly have eyes for uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, and I think he'd be a great fit for them. And, oh, he'd be yeah, perfect. he'd be fantastic. Uh, but the Kings, you know, also look at it like, you know, it's I, I mean, that's the crazy thing about this season. I have the standings in front of me. They're nine games under five hundred, but they're still trying to be buyers at the deadline because they're only what is it, two games out of the eighth spot. So. They don't want Kyle right now because they think they'll win fewer games with Kyle. So I don't I don't see that deal happening. They're right. Yeah. I like I understand uh like the trade rumors around Kuzma from the Lakers perspective. He's a, almost the only guy that they have that they could move that has some value right. cuz he's 24 and you know can can at least get buckets in a high volume type situation. But man, like if they were able to swing a, a trade for Bogdanovich you would need Adam Silver to not allow that trade for basketball reasons. Like they are just on a different, completely different planet. As Rest players. in peace, David Stern. A little too soon, Chris Paul. Yeah, redo. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's you're right. I mean, oh, you yeah, you put Bogdan on on that team like that. It's a wrap. Yeah, it's yeah, a wrap. It, that's not only and, that. And if they go and if they go sign Darren Collison yeah. after that, right? Like that's right. That's and, I mean, Collison is the spot up guard instead of Troy Daniels and. You know, uh, whoever uh, Rondo spotting just, up around LeBron. Yeah, just you know, call, like just Carlson yeah. being able to run an offense when LeBron's not on the floor. Like, yeah, I, and, and like he's been a, a forty percent plus three point shooter. Like that's another guy perfect next to LeBron would probably you know have a career half season if he signed yeah. with them. Like that he would might be a great. Yeah, Fred, he might even be 
Ish Smith court, right? It's it's like, going to be a pretty small backcourt when Kemba and Ish Smith start in the All Star game for the East. It is. It's going it to be is. pretty small, but but, but, to... but worthy, of course. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Of course. I mean, entirely worthy. I, I I was thinking they might just put all the all twenty three all stars against Ish Smith in a one on twenty three. <laughs> I game think that would be great. And just see, just see let him, just let him, just, just let it. Like when they put, like you know, when you'd go in PE and you you would play dribble knockout and you know have forty kids dribbling around <laughs> the middle of the floor. Ish, I always imagine right. that Ish Smith would be like the perfect dribble knockout player. So that sounds like the ideal all star yeah. game. Honestly, dribble knockout at the Somewhere. All-Star game sounds like a pretty fantastic idea. That does sound like fun. That would be amazing. They need that and King of the Hill or King of the Court. King of the Court, yeah. Yeah. They also need not to get too I'm far gonna... afield. Did you guys see that old viral video, uh, video that made the rounds the other day with stars from uh, other sports back in the day doing the slam dunk contest? It was Barry Bonds and Ken Griffey Jr. Oh, yeah. And then Mike Conley Griffey, Sr. Yeah. I think we yeah. need some of that. We need we need all okay. these dudes from other sports to – to be doing the dunk contest with well, you the rock and you know, you know what we don't you know what we just don't need is Dwight Howard at thirty three in the dunk contest. I'm into it. We need a Laker no, that I'm bad, not. Sam. It's, it's senior Superman. What do you want? Oh, well, get out of here! We got all these young guys. Here. We need a Laker that all bad. All these young guys uh, with hops. We can't. We we can't. We can't, uh, you know, bring Shannon Brown back. What, what's the right thing? Like, kid in Charlotte doing? I'm sure he's not busy Dwight'll, that weekend. Dwight will jump over Shannon. I think that should be the gimmick. <laughs> Um, okay, so do we think like I don't Kuzma's not getting moved, right? He might. He might. He might. Man, if the I, Lakers I think he's, could he's somehow again, he's got trick value. people into giving them a guy as good as Bogdanovich for the likes of Kyle Kuzma. <laughs> not so even the Bogdanovich thing, <laughs> whether it's Kuzma or somebody else, to to, to yeah. put a finer point on that, I do think that one's really interesting and worth watching because you know, listen, I tweeted yesterday the Kings are definitely saying. You know, all the right things right now, on, and that was January 6th, like a month out from the deadline, we're comfortable with his restricted free agency. Yeah, of course you we're, say that because you don't want yeah, to right. sound desperate. But here's the reality. Like, first of all, Bogdan, I I got a real strong sense that like, he gonna I mean, he, well, not only that, but he's he, he thinks he should be starting on this team. Mm. And and I, I don't think he's thrilled with that role. Um, there's been for sure rumblings that you know he's looking at other landscapes and i just they they yeah they got his rights he'll be restricted i get it but he had his chance to take i think it was 54 million that they offered him before it was the cap based on you know the max of what they could offer him at that time um i just in terms of the relationship i think it's been a little bit touchy for the past five six months and you know i think that's going to come into play i mean is he ever going to be truly happy uh, being a, a six man behind, you know, this De'Aaron buddy, Marvin Bagley world. Uh, so, you know, that's what I think we got to watch for the next month. And they could get more than Kuzma for, for Bogdanovich. Again, the restricted free agency is valuable, valuable. as a part of the trade, right? Like, for so, sure. you know, teams having match rights, having bird rights, the, the, they can get more than Kuzma. Right. I concur. Yeah. Bog, ah, man, Bogdanovich on the teams now. He'd be perfect. He, but he'd be great on a lot of teams. I mean, he he'd be excellent in Milwaukee. I, I, he has I, value. I agree with him. He should be starting on the Kings. He should. He's absolutely. Like, he's he's one. Of, he might be their best overall player. I don't like. I, I mean, he might. He he might. <laughs> he might yeah, like just because good. because of the injuries of De'Aaron Fox and everything. Yeah. Like he might be their best overall player right now. Yeah, he's I mean, that good. Yeah, that the the injury luck on that team. I, I think that this might and and Sam, you probably have a better read on this internally, but I wonder if they feel like they're because they're almost in it, right? Like they're two games out of the playoffs right now. They've had this awful injury luck. Guys are starting to get healthy. I mean, you know, they had turned it around at one point, then they had the injuries again and started falling off. Like, do they feel like when we get healthy, we're gonna be able to make a playoff push and that's why they're thinking about being buyers? Yes. For sure, and there's a. Yeah. It's like all eyes are on De'Aaron, and he's talked about this recently right. that he's trying to to play at a high level and work through that pressure, which I think is a fascinating thing. He kind of admitted the other day that he does feel some of that pressure because not only, I mean, their whole identity and and the thrust behind their success last year was their pace and De'Aaron having a really good breakout year. Um, 
I talked to Vladi about this two days ago where he's like, listen, De'Aaron coming back. He's not coming back as De'Aaron of last year. It's, it's been, it's taken him a minute to get, you know, the motor going like it was. And and then also you, you got to look at Luke Walden and what he's doing right. coaching wise. I mean, yes, De'Aaron's been out a ton uh, and I'm trying to get the numbers here in front of me. They, let's see, uh, the Sacramento. Well, their pace without him is. They're 30th. I mean, it's been. Snail. It's been yeah. last in the league. I don't know the numbers with him on the court. I don't think they come anywhere close even with him to uh, as fast as they played last year. Um, so they, they've crept up to 28th in pace, but they're still. Last year, that's how they surprised teams, you know, masked the fact that they had no half-court offense. Um, there's a whole longer conversation here. I think their offseason was really bad. The transition to Luke Walton, I don't think the sexual assault allegations helped at all from a um, kind of him connecting with his players and team standpoint. I think the uniqueness of that situation actually had a basketball ripple effect, in my opinion. So you had guys coming in out of shape. Uh, it's It's been a, a disaster. But to your point, Dave, for, I, they definitely are hoping in the next two, three weeks – they crawl back into this. And, and just adding to that, Sam, uh, if you guys use impredictable.com to look at stuff, the, the crazy Kings thing to me, which is just such a juxtaposition of last year, last year they played at the second fastest pace after forcing turnovers in the league, and this year they are 30th. And like that is the juxtaposition. They would get the ball and go when they got any sort of live ball turnover last right. year, and this year they are doing the exact opposite. They've also, I mean, this is the excuses hour with the Kings, but it's like they, there's a stat that made the rounds the other day. De'Aaron, Buddy, and Marvin have shared the floor for like 49 minutes for the season. Um, that's your, that's your, you know, that's your young core. And the injury stuff has been pretty significant with them. Yeah. So the Kings are. Still the Kings. <laughs> like, who, like, yeah, like, what? The arena, the I mean, that's, that's I'm true, loving the like, arena. Listen, you know? I, I think do you pay bogey, right? Like, I'm already, I've already cashed out uh, my man who's 28 years old. <laughs> Buddy yeah. Hill. I mean, I, I would just, honestly, like, I would. Already cashed out I'm Harry of the Barnes. Got to cash out I'm Fox. of the opinion. Yeah, I'm of the opinion that, like. I pay now and try to move guys later, mm, which isn't yeah, a great yeah, strategy yeah, yeah, necessarily. Yeah. But like, I like I would with pay, the young I, guys though, it's good. Yeah, I would pay. The Kevin I would Love pay strategy. Bogey now, <laughs> right? Exactly, Kevin Love is it's going so well. I would pay yeah. Bogey now, and then I would just move Buddy Hill because mm. I'd rather have, I'd rather have Bogey than Buddy Hill. And I think Buddy, even Hill though Buddy's a better shooter, and Buddy Buddy has value to contenders, yes. and also he's still not that old. Yes. Yeah, he's only thirty-seven. Like he's still got <laughs> right, like, right. Years. He's still got yeah. at least two years. Yeah, easily. Could you imagine if the Lakers um, had yeah, Buddy it, instead of Rondo? <laughs> I mean, I just wanted to get a like shot in that Rondo AD instead of Kevin Love. But I'm just saying, it didn't make any sense at all. It was so forced. <laughs> it was so forced. Nah, Rondo's bad though. He's like, it's become a cliche for everybody to dump on him online, and like everybody's always watching the yeah. Lakers lead when whenever he comes in the game, and inevitably it's way less than it was before. Um, but he's just so bad, and he's getting so many minutes. Um, how close is this Collison thing to actually happening? Wasn't it supposed to be like February or something like that? I think that was the report. Yeah. If I could go back to the Kings just for one second, God, a lot of things. But so they <laughs> Sorry, actually have that's my impact. So they have <laughs> yeah, God damn well, it, they, Sam. they have pieces that that they can probably move and get stuff for if they are yeah. buying. Like the Ariza contract, it's expiring, it's twelve million. Like some team might actually be interested yeah. in that. Um the the biggest hindrance for them is gonna be that no team has money this summer. Uh, and there's not really any free agents this summer. So a lot of teams just aren't really going to be like trying to balance their cap sheets out at the deadline. It's just not, I mean, they're not going to be taking on bad contracts necessarily. You're going to have to attach something to the it. Wizards, the and they Wizards just don't have anything to attach. For Kelly Oubre, man. <laughs> Woo. man, that was a hell of a day. 
<laughs> what not, a day that not, was. Not only, and look at him now, offensive not juggernaut. Not only did they trade Kelly Oubre for Ariza, but that was the that was the Brooks non Brooks. Oh wait, the wrong Brooks trade. Oh, and <laughs> and, and in the initial trade, it, it, to me, this was like the ultimate former Wizards administration thing. In the initial trade, they were giving up Austin Rivers and. And uh, Kelly Oubre and getting back Trevor Ariza as well as Memphis's unprotected second round pick, which was going to be a good second round pick. Memphis was not a good team last year. Right. And then once that trade fell apart because of all the Marshawn versus Dylan Brooks stuff, they just redid the deal where they gave out the same package and just took back Trevor Ariza. So like they they 12 hours later decided that they you know what just to make this go through we are just going to we're just going to take a worse deal than what we thought was worthy of the package we were sending out 12 hours ago just to get this done to, which which was the ultimate example of how little a team could value second round picks openly admitting Fred, this is what we think a second round pick is and then not doing it Fred, you're not allowed to talk about the Brooks debacle without John Hollinger coming on the podcast. <laughs> John, oh, previously right. the Memphis Grizzlies front office, I, I talked with him recently about that story and then and then was happy to hear. Now, granted, it was on a, a quote-unquote competing pod on the uh, Zach Lowe pod. John joined Zach and, and kind of went down memory lane on the Memphis front talking about how that trade broke when Memphis was still playing a game and you had like relatives – Trying to figure out, you know, which Brooks was going where. That that was an all timer. Dylan Brooks, I saw. I, I it's every time I see him up close. Dylan Brooks looks like Darren Williams, who is in the both the best and worst shape of his life at the exact same time. That's how Dylan Brooks looks. <laughs> sure, sure. Like it just like I'm just looking at him. I'm like, wow, he looks like if Darren Williams was in the best and worst shape of his life. Hey, Zach, since this became the King's pod and, and we always have Sacramento together, buddy, um, I got to say hello to the one and only Mike Bibby last night. And, oh, okay. And, and yeah. you're talking about a, a, a dude who, I, mean, I don't know if you call it best shape of your life. I, I just still can't get over what Mike looks like. Have, you guys have yeah, seen the pictures. Yeah. What size hat is he wearing? It's just, yeah, it's, put it this way, Slamson, ever expanding. Slamson uh, the King's mascot on the Jumbotron, like, they had like the flex cam and they tried to have fun with Mike and literally try, like tried to convince him to pull up the, the sleeves on his shirt to show off his muscles. And he was very self-conscious about it and was kind of pushing slams in a way. Um, I mean, it's just, it's not the same dude who I covered. Uh, I've never seen a player transform in, in reverse like he has. I feel like I have. Who? Who's, I feel who's like, on that uh, list? D- Danny Bonaducci. Yeah. All of a sudden got ripped. <laughs> all right. I took us in a bad direction. Carrot Top. Carrot Top. Carrot yes. Top. Yeah. Carrot Top's a good one. He got ripped all of a sudden. I don't remember those guys being uh, pro athletes. <laughs> no. yeah, that's true. That's true. They're, you know, it's performers. Okay. They're, all, they're all performers. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, I want to talk a little bit about this, um, this reseeding thing that, that just broke from ESPN from. <sighs> from Woj and Zach Lowe. So we're not going to recede now as they try to figure out if we're going to do these tournaments and all this crap. Um, what, what did I say, guys? Uh, they threw out all these bad ideas so we would all just shut up and take it the way it is. And then now they're saying they're going to take the one good thing from their proposal and that one's gone. Can't do that. It just doesn't Come have on. support. I mean, it's it's, you know, follow yeah. the money. It's teams that they don't want to miss out on that playoff cash. That's all there is to it. Yeah. But uh, what's the what's the financial drawback of reseeding the conference finals? Well, their big thing, I think that they're worried about the travel schedule, and then the the report also said uh, that they they worry about losing traditional rivalries, which, mm. I mean, you could potentially get a Lakers Celtics. Conference finals instead of a finals. There, okay, how many traditional rivalries actually exist? Um, Lakers, Lakers Celtics. Celtics, and what? Like, the, remember the uh, Heat Nick, and Knicks fans versus the, Dolan? The LeBron and Boston <laughs> used to be a thing, right? Because of Paul yeah, Pierce and right. KG. But that was like based on the players. And, you know, now that right. players sign four year deals on new teams. 
which are really three year deals. <laughs> you know, it's a really it's one a really year deal. You should get traded. Deal. Yeah, you know, just, like. I, I don't buy well, this traditional this is, rivalry thing. I think players have well, rivalries. This been, like Chris, not Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook actually hates Pat Beverly's guts, right? Like he actually really wants to fight him. Um, I don't know that the Clippers and Houston Rockets as franchises are rivals. Am I wrong in that? Well, this has been like one of the drawbacks from all the player movement, right? Which the league likes because keeps eyes on the league. 12 months out of the year, 11 months out of the year. Uh, but, yeah, you don't have rivalries. There is no Pistons-Bulls. It's just not happening. Guys aren't aren't trying – like, nobody's got to get over the hump because they'll just leave or ask for a trade and go team up with in some other place. It's not it's But, not again, great. I, like I when think, you're trying to, you know, you remember, know, like, last week – Carl Towns leaving Minnesota was was some, some was some rumor, whatever. No matter what team he plays on, Joel Embiid is going to hate his guts, right? That's the rivalry. It's Towns and Embiid. It's not Minnesota versus Philly. Uh, I, I I just don't I just don't understand what they're trying to preserve here with this rivalry talk. It's it seems just strange to me. Also, like how often is that yeah. really going to matter? Isn't the only Right. Isn't the only historical cross-conference rivalry Lakers-Celtics? Like, yeah, we had Cavs-Warriors, but that was, again, dependent on the players. When the Cavs and the Warriors play this year, nobody cares. That's not anything that's going to continue past that, only because they play in the finals every year, which could still happen if you did reseeding. So, like, the only reason these rivalries become a thing, even if they carry over year to year, are because the teams constantly meet in the playoffs. And I don't really see – I mean, you might – you might – end up just by sheer luck of the draw end up having those teams more likely just to meet at some point in the playoffs you know like the 90s Knicks and 90s Bulls never actually met in the finals because they were both in the Eastern Conference but there was a rivalry there because they played in the playoffs a number of times and the Knicks and the Heat they played in the playoffs a number of times those were fun rivalries that we're talking about 25 years later so I, I don't I don't really get it. I don't think it has to be like finals or bust to create some sort of long-standing rivalry. Yeah, I I think the whole like from a travel standpoint that makes sense to me. I get the I get the logistics Portland, of it, Miami right? type thing. Yeah, exactly. I get that. When you start talking about traditional rivalries like it's just it's not a yeah, thing. Yeah, Portland anymore. Miami like, are we, is tough. That's a <laughs> That's that's, that's a tough, 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 tough flight right there. Yeah, that. But LA, Portland Toronto. could play New Orleans. Like, I mean, it's not really that different than New Orleans, which is pretty, pretty yeah, far. Yeah, I mean, east. that's the outlier. And 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 they're flying. I know, but I'm. I mean, uh, or Houston and San Antonio, not that yeah, much. Portland farther. is just far. I, that's it's, just what it boils down to. Right, right. So just keep yeah, that's Portland, Portland out of the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. So Portland banned from the playoffs. I like. The, the travel concerns, man, like, it's hard for me to to, to feel bad. They're flying charter. And then uh, the conference really, like, finals. Right, but you're you're also like talking five, media, five right? Like, right. I'm, I'm thinking right. more like media travel on this one. I actually disagree. Than the- I, I, I know that I travel differently than the teams do, but, like, man, that yeah. travel, when you're at that point in the season and you have just been to a gazillion games and when you're still playing those games and, and like, being on an airplane plane you're just sitting there but being on an airplane is exhausting the, that whole process of traveling and then you got that really long flight and it's not just the the hours on the plane it's the time differences too it's it's just really really exhausting you're crying when you're watching so movies I, right like you're more susceptible it, to cry exclusively on a plane when you watch I, a movie i, I, yeah. I watched uh, a netflix rom-com on a plane and started bawling next to this dude in a tank top about six months ago <laughs> and oh you were next to russillo yeah yeah it, it might have been it was like a buffer russillo and and is this guy possible? this guy looked at me like I was the craziest person who ever lived just like who is this extremely unstable person next to me I get the travel thing I I I think that's a super legit concern the rivalries thing I I I'm not Fred, I think I'm I just got to share I'm judging you I didn't know you were so much of a travel was come on man No nah. come on 
Oh, see, this is nah. I'll stand behind this one. This is decades in the game, right here. I mean, back I think you. I think me saying that I was I was balling at the end of Always Be My Maybe should give away that I'm all sorts of <laughs> oh, was a good movie. Not just travel was great movie. Oh, it was though. great. Oh man, it's an it it's was delightful. A I'm with you. Fantastic. Um, did we have one more thing? The bleacher, uh, the one exec crowing get- about load management. Okay. I didn't read it. I, I briefly scanned it. Uh, Waz, what do you got? You already know what I got. <laughs> this dude, anonymous. Well, why don't you set it up for the listener okay, so, instead so, of me? Okay, so Rick Buecher <laughs> came out with a piece for Bleacher Report where uh, some management types, coaches, blah, 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 are complaining about the scourge, the alleged scourge of load, load management all over the league. And this is just a couple of money quotes that I found very interesting, um, one of which was, all we do is find reasons for guys not to work. It's getting absurd. And the younger the league gets, which will happen even more when the draft rules changes, is going to have an even greater negative impact. In what world are you not expected to go to work every day, end quote? You know, we are coming up with more reasons. It's called science. It's called medical <sighs> science. Dave, I need also, to, but I need, all I need somebody. Ringing. It's yes, one that's, guy. That's, that's that's he's point hurt. number one. I need somebody to point to me <laughs> where all of these guys, where John Morant is getting load managed, or well, he was he was off on back to backs, but he just had knee surgery. Where um all Makes these sense. all of these young guys are just straight up not playing ever because they're being load managed is not true. Like uh, Kawhi Leonard, yes, he's a high profile player on a high profile team, and he doesn't play in back to backs. And by the way, we watched that dude limp through the last two rounds of the playoffs last year, like yeah. like visibly limping through the playoffs last year, and he's the only one doing it. I just don't understand. And you know, whatever Rick Buecher could, um, he's he's a veteran reporter; he can do whatever the fuck he wants. But I, I don't understand why people don't get that the optics of this is just kind of. Fucked up, in my opinion. Like, guys don't want to work. Guys don't understand working every day. And we're talking about NBA players. Let's face it. The blackest freaking league in America. And these people feel comfortable saying that these dudes don't got work ethic and are lazy, essentially, and are entitled and don't value work. Like, I don't like I don't understand why people think this shit is okay. What well, was also, are we still pretending that like practice and training and all that isn't part of their job? Like, like their job doesn't just happen playing a 48 minute game. I'm so sick of how dumb this conversation is. It's, when it's like, oh, they don't go to work. No, they work constantly. Exact. The guy said, right. now suddenly you have guys who can't go through an hour and a half of practice and play a game the next day. It's a joke. Like, we. Like, I'm sorry. This is dog whistle shit to me. Like, I, I like I can't read this any other way because it's nonsense. It's just not it's true. It's so dumb. It's, yeah, it's just, it's an ignorant viewpoint. Also, it ignores all the work that goes into actually being the type of player who can be in the NBA in the first place. Like, film work, individual skill, well, like, and- Training your body, like you can't rehab, be a lazy rest, all that bastard. stuff. Like, you can't be some no. dog. But also, hey, some of this, listen, with the young guys or whoever coming off surgery on bad teams, let's just be honest. Like some of the load managing is about tanking. Oh, for Daniel sure. Russell Absolutely. sitting out, right? It's about tanking. Like, like just call it what it and is. That's the like, teams. so that's part that's of it. Not but also, the it's a lot of hand ring over nothing. Dave, that's teams. That's, right. it's, that's it's, just, it's in their best interest to sit because because of the structure and the incentives of the league. It's in your best interest to sit your best players to get the most ping pong balls. Like everybody understands, this isn't rocket science. It's not complicated or hard to understand. But then the guy basic the guy goes quote basically what it comes down to is you're completely reliant on a player's integrity to know whether or not they need a break what the like we're talking about people who are obsessed with playing basketball even Kawhi Leonard who is taking all of these games off like this dude is a hoop nut he's obsessed with playing basketball all these guys to get to this level for the most part like you know we can say what we want about 
you know, the kind of big man's like a white side and those type of cats. Maybe, you know, maybe those dudes don't have the crazy basketball itch. But when you're talking about guys like Ja Morant or Kawhi Leonard, like these dudes are obsessed with hooping. They're not just taking games off for the status or for the clout or for, you know, just what it means in the, for, um, um, when it comes to their standard, their standing within the organization that they can tell coaches or management, like, look, I'm sitting this one out. Like, these dudes want to be playing. If they're not playing, it's because they like it's the right thing to do. Like, I don't like, I don't, I just don't understand this. And like the anonymous quotes of like, you can't put your name on. You basically calling NBA players lazy. It's I don't know. I find the whole shit to be problematic, but maybe that's me. Maybe I'm overly sensitive. Maybe I'm reading into things, but that's just how I read this stuff off the page. Like, you're you're calling these dudes. And again, like, the NBA's been dealing with this race stuff from the beginning. The perception that this league is too black. The perception that we got to make these dudes pick their pants up and institute a dress code and, you know, people can fight in hockey and they can't fight in the NBA because it's reckless when black dudes are fighting. Like, all of this shit that the NBA has to deal with and somebody within the league is talking about, these dudes are lazy. I, like, I just, it, it bothers me. I'm sorry, bro. It's also a straw man. Like, was was what you just yeah. said, which is a thing that you hear from people who are, you know, I'm air quoting anti-load management all the time. Like, this dude can't play tonight, really? That's not the point of this. It's not whether he can or can't play. Obviously, a lot of the time when someone gets load managed, that guy can play. It's not about what a guy can or can't do. People have to look at things in what what is bad, what is good, but also what's best and what's worse. And what's best in the long term is that person sitting on that occasion. He can play, but in the long term, the chances of things turning out in the best possible scenario go a little bit down. And the whole point of this is just maximizing the probability of you ending up in your best case scenario, right? The player and the team. And that's all this is. If he doesn't play on that night, that's all it is. And, um, it, it people some people just either don't get that or don't want to get that or i mean there's was i'm sure you're right that there is there is an element of race but i also think there's an element of like toxic masculinity too how, yeah, how many all of that right. how yeah. many yeah. I mean, people I think, stuff you know it's, it's all of that is be a man stand is, up is, play is, is, is tied in i'm just more sensitive to the racial component because i happen to be black no, I mean, here's my was I can't I can't speak on the race one on this on, on this you? one, but like because it's like a you don't know who the executive is. B sure. definitely not going to put that on on Rick in terms of the framing of the story. I think my two cents would be that for the next you know five ten years you're going to have some like leftover residue culture shock from the old heads in the NBA who were and who knows if how old this person was who shared this how kind of how many years they had under their belt, but you still have people who work in the NBA who were also part of the league back when they flew commercially back when they had back to back to backs. And and that contrast is going to still exist under their roof where it's going to lead to this type of commentary with the get off my lawn back in my day. We did it the right way. We never stopped working these kids today. I mean, for me, it's funny. Like the longer I cover the league, I'll have guys who I covered as players, who and this definitely makes me feel like I'm getting old, but like where I'll hear those players who I don't feel like they're out of the league for that long, pulling that tone, like oh man, these dudes today, da da da, and they, it's just inevitable that the older you get, it skews the way you look at things and the way you did it was the quote unquote right way. That part's not going to go away. You're dead on about the the fact that we always gloss over how few guys are doing this, and and it's you know it's kind of described as this epidemic. Uh, and then this, I mean, listen, the science is a science. The, the Clippers, for, their messaging was terrible earlier this season because they could not get their story uh, straight in terms of why Kawhi was being handled the way he was. But when you finally got that crystallized, like they are doing this because of science. They are doing this because of his health history, what he's dealing with right now. Uh, that you can't reconcile that with the way that this executive portrayed things. So Sam, Sam I, what they're not doing it for is because of what LeBron says, whatever it is they want to do is what they do. I mean, that's just that, a callback to the doc. That, yeah, no, for sure. That's a Lakers Clippers thing. They're, they're throwing shade left and right. I mean, that's, oh, that was it's funny. You mentioned that like that, like I talked to someone just the other day, like the Lakers are still hot about that quote, you know, 
like they're, great they're, quote. Because they're thin, well, well, they, they, didn't, they didn't want their they didn't want their playbook <laughs> revealed. No, okay, but wait a minute. Like talk about pot calling kettle. Yeah, like, no, hundred really? percent. Oh, like, I mean, that's Doc, why playbook is right there. Hey, quiet, do what you want. Easily, yeah. yeah. And also, but this is me getting personal. Yeah, and also uh, off season investigations into free agency, you know, happenings are are routine. Uh, like he tried to tell the world from my story, and and they investigated six teams. Also, not true. <laughs> That's a me thing, though. Sorry, got my feelings. There. Um, one last thing before we go. Blake Griffin has no timetable for return after having uh, knee surgery. He had, he was atrocious in coming back from this injury this season. Just never looked good. Um, I he might. I don't even know if he had a handful mm. of good games this year when he was on the court, Dave. Like he was. It, it was sad. It was pretty brutal, and so I, I'm glad that he's he's had the surgery. I'm glad that he now gets a chance to get back healthy and, um, and hopefully get back to some kind of all-star form. But do we expect Blake Griffin to be an impact guy, um, even close to what he was moving forward? Like, I don't know. I don't know what to, I legitimately don't know what to expect here. No. I mean, like if you think about it, like he never became an elite shooter. So losing the athleticism just makes him that much less valuable. I mean, still like he's a good passer and all these things, but, I mean, he, he, he's a shell of what he was. I mean, injuries have just yeah. really robbed him of this later part of his career, which seems crazy to think about because he's not even that old. Um, but, you know, knees are just – got to ban knees. Or, <laughs> Seriously, you know, though. Make it so these not, guys can take PEDs to, and get not themselves Not to make healthy. light of it, but, um, yeah, uh, Blake was one of my – and Zach will laugh at this. He was one of my um, all-wise cape teams because I used to cape for him because – the narrative online was that, oh, he's just an athlete. He never works on his game, blah, 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 blah. And I just thought that was always unfair. Every year he would come back and he added something, right? Like you don't go from having a zero jump shot to just shooting 42% from three. Like it happens incrementally. Yeah. And every single year, incre- incrementally, he became shooter. better yeah. at free throws, better at shooting threes. His passing ability was amazing. His dribbling, like he was such a skilled player. Um, you know, I'll never forget what he did in 15 against the Spurs. I just thought that was just an incredible series, man. Like, we'll never see him be that good. We haven't seen him be that good since. Uh, that was one of my favorite playoff performances ever in my lifetime, honestly. Uh, so, you know, it just sucks that he's just been so injury ravaged, man, these past few years. I just think, you know, he's one of my favorite players to watch. Always has been. I, I, know, I know this kind uh, of feels a little bit like you know, this is this is really a start of when it real things really take the turn turn for the worst. But feels like but I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be the the optimist here for oh, for man. the sake of optimism. We we spoke about Blake in this tone two years ago, and last year he was legitimately incredible. Like he was he was great he was, last um, year. He was, in my opinion, he was a he wasn't just all NBA, which he was. He was shooing all NBA. Like I didn't think there was an, another argument for another sixth forward to make the all NBA team. He was unbelievable. He he's an incredibly smart player. I I don't know him personally, but I think it's like based on you know, this using the logic that Waz was just using, he gets better at something every single year. His game has probably transformed stylistically more than any other all-star caliber player currently in the league, right? Since since first entering the league, he's just totally changed as a player and and was still an unbelievable player last year. He clearly has a really really good work ethic. I I could see Blake being a guy that even as his body continues to get worse, he could still be somewhere between a good and really good player just based on his intelligence, his work ethic, his passing ability. He's got a great handle for a big guy. You know, I, I I could see his shot continuing to get better just because it gets better seemingly every year, except for obviously this one when he was what he if just he came was hurt. back as a Boris Diaw type. Sure, I mean that's obviously not worth the contract that he has, but that's yeah. a really good. I mean, he's never been that that level of defender. Boris Diaw is 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 quicker defensively and all that stuff, but but he's he's a great passer, and I could just he seems to me like the type of player who is willing, considering all he's done is rework his game to adapt his entire career. He seems to me like the type of player who might find a way to adapt even as his physical limitations continue to slide. If he could be like Jokic, yeah, right if you could if you could just completely have him as the fulcrum of the offense passing from the wing, 
you know, if he's if he can hit that that three at the thirty eight to forty percent mark, I, yeah, maybe there's like a, a still a good player there. Um, I just don't, I don't know. Fred, I, I just, you know, knees suck. Yeah, Fred, it all fell apart when uh, Ish Smith left him last year. <laughs> That's true. Ish, you know? Ish Smith, man, he's just making guys better, just his mere presence, just giving people smiles. Makes guys better and makes guys worse when he leaves. That's how it is. <laughs> It's uh, it's just you know this is Ishmael's world and we're all just living it. Thank you for channeling Tom Haverstrow today, uh, because that is I believe I believe you and him, you and Tom are the two biggest proponents of Ishmith. Oh, Ishmith is uh, I mean, what else is there to say? What was that, Zach? We lost you. What? Did everyone else lose Zach? Or was that Did just we? me? No. Oh, that was just you. Like, oh, interesting. Interesting. Well, you guys are recording. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was. I thought Jade was excited. Jade, Jade for the Ish not Smith. as graceful as Ishmith. <laughs> yeah. So. Thanks to uh, Sam Avick, Dave DeFore, Fred Getz, Fossey Lambert. I'm Zach Harper. That's Jade Hoy.